welcome to KP and the T, where your girl, KP, aims to make you laugh, think, and most of all, get you motivated to be the best version of yourself that you can be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to KP and the T. Hello, listeners. Well, it's been a while since my last podcast, and I have, um, first of all, I apologize to anyone who's been waiting, um, as arrogant as that may seem, if there are any of you. And I wanted to give you the two reasons why I have not done a podcast in a few months. First of all, the real answer is that my plate is full. I mean, that is truth. Uh, I have a lot going on personally and professionally, and the podcast took a back seat. But if I'm being truthful and honest to myself, the real reason that I have not really invested time or made energy for this is because I don't do well um, at things like this when I am not feeling inspired. And when my plate is full, the, sometimes the end result of that is that I do not feel inspired to do the things I enjoy and the things that feed back to me. And so... I have found that in the past couple months, probably largely because I've been so busy, I've been allowing myself to kind of absorb the energy of other people. And that's something I'm usually really good at at preventing. I'm, I'm pretty guarded about making sure that my particular space is protected and honored and um, sacred to me. And so as I get busier, I let that kind of relax. And when that happens, I find that my flame kind of dies out. And so one of the best things I can do when that happens to, to me I know a way to fix it in myself is that I have to surround myself with people who I feel bring me power and people who ignite that flame again. And I'm inspired by other people's greatness and their willingness to do and go and be and see. And so when I start to feel that flame extinguish, um, I know that I need to invest time into people that reignite me. And so that's why today is extremely special because today on my podcast, I'm rolling out the red carpet for an extra special guest. If you live in my town or you are affiliated in any way with the district with which I work, you probably absolutely know this person. Um, But if you're an out-of-town listener or just not in the community in which I live, you might not know her, but this person is creative. She is an empath. She is an inspirer. She also does something that I admire greatly, which is inspire kids, and I think that is a calling and a gift, and we'll talk about that. Um, But also, more importantly for me, she's an igniter. And so I was super excited that she agreed to be here with me today and help ignite, re-spark the flame that I need so much. So today's guest is Andrea Schreiner. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This This is something that I've been really looking forward to. Me too. Me too. I'm super excited that you were able to make time for it. And I'd like to start right on the note that I began with, which is what do you do when that happens to you? When... You're, you feel like you have to remove toxic things from your path, but you also want to live in harmony with those things or those people who bring you the negative energy. How do you find the balance? So I'm a firm believer that you can't, when the sea has become toxic, and when I say sea, I'm thinking of uh, friends, I'm thinking of even family members sometimes. Absolutely. It could be a significant other. Sometimes mm-hmm. those relationships kind of um, you know sway into toxic territory. Um, especially if you're stressed, you know, they, 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 that stress can change things into toxicity super quickly. So when the sea turns toxic, my thing is you can't stay on the beach. 
you know, the sun may be shining and maybe you're not touching the water, but eventually that tide's going to come in. So you need to do what you can do to remove yourself from that situation. Um, easier said than done. You know, I think that it's a, I think that it's an important thing to acknowledge um, that setting boundaries is inevitably important, but it will be the hardest thing that you ever have to do because Absolutely. yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things it, it, you feel like to live in harmony, like you said, how do we create distance from the toxicity, um, but still live in harmony with those, with those people or those situations even. Right. Because you can't always escape them. Sometimes you, you work beside somebody and that toxicity is with you all day or you come home to someone who's in a negative space and you still have to live harmoniously, how do you protect that energy? And I think you're right, you can't stay in that negative place right. um, and expect yourself to find happiness. Yeah, and I think toxicity is, um, toxic relationships or situations um, are scary to me because toxicity is is like a poison it's sometimes it doesn't yeah it doesn't come out and sting you you know like a bee it's takes a longer time it's like a slow leak it is yeah and then once you realize that the situation has become toxic you already feel like you're underwater absolutely you're immersed in it mm -hmm. at that point and it, it really scares me because we deal with young people because we're adults and we struggle with this can you imagine being 16 and not realizing until months and months have gone by that you've invested in someone not worth investing in. Right, because they're so impressionable. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the good thing about kids is that they're, I, and listen, this might not be a, a you know, popular opinion, but I think that kids sometimes are more resilient than adults. Oh, yeah. Adults are sometimes set in their ways. It's like, well, I've been friends with this person for 20 years, or yes. I've been married for 35 years. As if that's a justification yes. for poor treatment. Yep. Where kids are, you know, if something fizzles out, they they still have the future ahead of them, and they tend to be a little more optimistic about moving on. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Do you have trouble saying no to things because in order to protect your own harmony or protect your balance, I feel like both of us are in positions where people ask of us, and I don't mind being asked. I, in fact, I, I put myself out there, as do you, to be a, a giver, Yeah. but it also puts us in the weird position to have to say no when it's not good for us. I know. I used to say yes to a lot more than I should have. Hmm. And I burnt out really quickly. And um, for me, I know everybody feels burnout differently. Yes. Um, but for me, physically, I, I get very run down. And I sometimes feel off balance, like physically off balance. Oh, wow. And that's just your body's way of saying something's not in balance in your life. And here's a way to, to, to kind of, this is a warning sign to slow down. Right. So what I learned how to do, and this is not easily done. This is not an overnight thing. But what I learned how to do is to remove guilt. Mm. Because that's why we say yes to everything. Absolutely. That we, because we feel guilty if we don't. Right. And what I learned a couple of years ago is that there's actually no translation. And I know you, this is going to be right up your alley. Um, there's no translation in other languages for the word guilt. The word guilt is, is a term that we have here in the United States. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if they have it in Canada. I didn't look that far, but it's, there's no translation for it. There might be a word that's similar, but the actual word guilt is something that has been man, like manufactured here. Wow. So I found that to be very powerful, that guilt is actually not a real word. Hmm. So, so it's something we've created. Yes. So therefore... Is it even a real emotion or is it something that we create to punish ourselves? It's like a false reality, right? Because if people tell me no, 
I never hold it against them. Mm -hmm. I'm not offended. But when it comes to me saying no, I always assume they are. Yes. Right? I assume that I'm hurting them or it, it's it's absurd. It's probably a little arrogant. It's probably ego. Well, and I, and I think part of it also is that, you know, you have to tap into um, treating yourself like a friend also. So if you would not get upset with a friend for saying, I'm sorry, KP, but I, I know that you wanted to go to dinner on Saturday, but I, I just can't. I have a workload that really needs to be, needs my attention right now. Can we reschedule? If you would talk to that friend with compassion and you would understand their situation, then, you, and I've learned this again, not overnight, that you need to have that same compassion and understanding for yourself. Agreed. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. It is. Absolutely. And, and it's not a Hallmark card. I mean, I always say that. I always say that to my students. Like, I know I sound like a Hallmark card, but it's rooted in truth. Um, I've actually started gravitating away from things that make me feel um, like I'm out of alignment with what I really want. Hmm. And I'm and and when when you do that, you start to say no to other things. You can say no kindly, sure. but you start to appreciate yourself a little bit more and talk to yourself in a friendlier way, which releases that guilt. Yeah, I mean, showing grace to yourself is like number one in terms of who we should be graceful toward because we're the ones who have to deal with us every day. Um, and I, I also say a lot, you know, show people grace. I actually posted on my social media today, you know, look at someone in your life who's difficult and try to see them today as someone who's hurting mm. and offer them grace instead of your judgment or your anger. And it's really easy to post, it's harder to do. Because when somebody is cruel to us or mean to us or actively seeking out ways to hurt us, and those people exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do exist. Um, it, it's so much easier to defer to negative, nasty retorts instead oh, yeah. of grace and saying, you, know, I'm, you don't even have to say this to them, but in your head you say, this person must really be unhappy. Like the fact that you are investing so much time in, in making someone else miserable, me being that person, means that you must be 10 times as miserable as you're trying to make me. And that really is a situation that deserves empathy mm -hmm. and sadness. Like I'm sad for people who feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, how do you handle people though, um, the kids call them haters, but like how do you handle people who do interpret your behaviors and your actions with judgment? and? So, and you, you might love this, but I think haters are helpful. Sure. I think that they, um, when somebody doesn't like something I've done or they, you know, they have something to say about what I've done, then I know that I have something, there's something special about me. Hmm. Because they wouldn't be talking about it. Right. Unless there was something to talk about. Yes. Yes. When you go after something that you want in your life, inevitably, whether you're having a baby, whether you're getting married, whether you are uh, submitting your dissertation or you're buying a new car or you're moving to a new house, all of these things that you do because the motivation is placed on your heart, um, someone in the world probably in your close circle, is going to have an opinion about it. They're going to say something. And sometimes even the people that we love the most can emerge as a hater in those situations. Um, but to me, I, I tend to love them. I tend to love, I mean, I don't always love what they have to say. I'm not going to say that I'm a robot and <laughs> no. that I, you know, I walk away from it unscathed. But, um, but I do think that they serve a purpose for us. Um, and I have, I have a, 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 like, um, a cute little 
um, analogy that I that I do when it comes to haters that okay. I'm going to share with you. What's and that? Again, you might. You, I, <laughs> I know that people listening will, will probably love this. It's easy to remember. Um, but it's reduce, reuse, and recycle with haters. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> yes, usually about water bottles, right? Yes. So, so um, when you reduce a hater, you ch- shift your perspective back to yourself, which takes away a little bit of their power. Absolutely. So you reduce their impression upon you. I love that. By remembering who you are and why you're making your choices. Mm-hmm. And then the reuse, tactics that you've used in the past to deal with criticism or haters, use them again if they prove to be successful. If something didn't prove to be successful, get creative and saying, okay, well, I stopped talking to this person for two months and it just made it worse. What's something else that I can do? Okay, so maybe in this situation, instead of just going off the grid, I think that I should write a card to this person saying I need some time to regroup I appreciate you as a person but I'm going to take some space um, and then just put it in their mailbox or hand it to them or whatever whatever tactics have used that you've used in the past reuse them if it has worked and then finally recycle turning trash into treasure these situations where somebody comes at you, I almost feel like whatever it comes at you in the way of meaning for your harm, I think you can use as a stepping stone to rise above. Hmm. So recycle the situation. Somebody hands you a, a, a bag of trash. You can either hold on to it and use it as a burden, like I have to carry this around now everywhere I go, or you can look through it and say, okay, this is a bag of water bottles. I think what I could do is cut them into birdhouses and hang them in the backyard to feed the birds. You, you choose how you use what you're given. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, and I think that's a really smart way to approach it. I know with for me, I get, I get frustrated and very, um, speaking of not offering grace, I get really angry with myself when I allow somebody who is trying deliberately to upset me to have that. And when they have that, and, and I, I, I feel like I've given up my power, um, when somebody approaches me and I know that they are not a fan, and I know they're coming with criticism, and I know they are not coming from a place of genuine wanting me to do better, it's more just pointing out that I've made a mistake or made, that I displeased them in some way. Um, if I feel myself shaken, if I don't respond in the, the way I want to respond, I, I tend to berate myself after, like, oh, you did it, like, you, knew, you weren't going to do that, you, you know you gave that person the power they didn't deserve but on the same note it's it's very rewarding the first time it doesn't happen and so having those situations where they do get to you is what teaches you how to be better mm-hmm. and it also rewards you the day that they don't shake you that's right it doesn't bother you anymore and so i i know this person approaching me as something negative to say and i'm ready mm-hmm. and it's okay and it's going to bounce right off of me yeah and, and I always think, and there's a quote that comes to mind. I'm obsessed with quotes. And, and one, one quote comes to mind about this subject in particular is that what other people think about us is not, none, of our, none of our business. I love that. Yeah. And I totally agree. And, and it's true. And it, I guess that where it crosses that line, where it crosses that boundary is when people are saying it to you. You know, yes. it's one thing to hear about something that somebody said or an opinion that they have of you, but it's another when it's said to your face. In a weird way, I, I respect that. At least you are saying it to me. Yeah. I, I sort of, I've had a situation in the, in the last year or so where the same individual has said hurtful things to me. And as angry or upset as it may make me, because this is someone who claimed to be in my circle, mm-hmm. um, as upsetting as that is to me on a personal level, I also can respect the fact that you brought it right to me. 
and you said, this is not something I admire in you. This is not a, a trait I respect in you. And I don't have to change that because all I, my responsibility to myself is to reflect and say, have I been hurtful? And the answer to that was no, I have not hurt anyone. Um, you are opposed to the person I am. I offend, I, I offend this person's sensibilities by my authenticity to myself. And so I don't have to change who I am. Um, but I do feel, I do feel like it's very, uh, Oprah Winfrey used to always call them praise raisers. And she said, the people in your circle who really want you to succeed are your praise raisers. Those are the ones who are not only saying good job, but they're hyping you up to other people. Yeah. Good job. Like, look what she did. Did you see what my best friend did? Did you see what my wife did? Did you see what, you know, my colleague did? And I try to be a praise raiser for people. And if you aren't that for me, then I don't really know why you continue to surround yourself with me. If, I, if my sensibility upsets you, mm -hmm. why do you continue to come into my circle? Mm -hmm. And that's where I have to offer grace. Yeah. And I have to say this person is either jealous or is hurting, and, I, and they're hopeful that I can fill something for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to be that as long as I am not, you know, my harmony is not disrupted to the point where I'm not myself. Because yeah. authenticity is number one for me. And I think that that is a is a true gift, and it's a, it's a it's a wonderful trait to have in our society. And I don't want to say in our society today, like it's never you know, like right. it has changed so much that authenticity wasn't valued before. I right. think it's something that spans it spans time um, as a as an amazing trait to have. Um, and I think anybody that meets you or anybody that knows of you knows that you are unapologetically you. And and when it comes to people that you know have something to say about it or there's there's haters that emerge or whoever they are friend circle or not friend circle family members whoever I think it's also important to acknowledge in this situation that sometimes people are not meant to continue with us on our path and true. that's a, it, it, and true it's, it's so uncomfortable at first it is and it's why are we embarrassed to admit that that some your, your journey is not for everyone it just isn't and I can still wish you well yeah and love you while you walk a different path than me. And so, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's, that's a huge learning thing for, for us and for our kids, our students to learn um, that not everybody's meant to be in the front row or even the theater yeah. with you. And if you try to keep somebody there that it, when, when it's time for them to not, if anybody, you, me, anybody listening, um, if you try to keep it, you know, if you've had a relationship where you try to keep it where it is or you try to salvage it, it's like, you know, thumbtacking jello to the wall. It just doesn't, you can ex expend a lot of energy on this when it's not some, something that's just supposed to be. Yeah. So it, be at peace with it. And again, that kind of dissolves the guilt too. Absolutely. Is that this person needs to go their path and I'm going mine and I'm going to trust that this is part of the plan. Right. Even if I can't see why. Yeah. Why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, for me, authenticity is so valuable in people. I instantly like people who are authentic. Mm -hmm. Even if their authenticity is completely different than mine, yeah. even if their political views are not aligned with me, if their religious beliefs are completely a polar opposite of mine, if you are authentic and you're true in who you are, I find an immediate kinship with those people. Yeah, I Be do too. Yeah, I think when you're unapologetic for who you are, it just shows to people. And I know I instantly can trust you mm -hmm. because I know that you are you are not putting on airs. You are being yourself. 
Well, and that's the thing is I think intention is everything. You right. know, when we're trying to keep harmony within our situations and within within our relationships, but we know that something has run its course mm-hmm. or we know that somebody is coming to us and they're saying things to us or about us and and we're like, "Man, I just really am being, you know, irked or every time I'm with this person, I don't I don't feel good after I'm with them." Yes. And we know that that time has come for the situation or the relationship to change. I think intention matters. So if you're being real and you're being you and your intention is pure and it's rooted in truth, then you really cannot go wrong. You have to follow what is on your heart. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's valuable life advice for all of us at work, at home, with friendships, at any age. Um, I just think it's really, it's a valid argument to make within yourself that you deserve people around you who are genuinely rooting for you. Genuinely. And so when we talk about people who don't necessarily, that actually brings me to my next point, who don't necessarily agree with the path that you're choosing or the lifestyle that you want to live, um, how do you separate your dreams from what other people want for you? Well, I think other people are always going to want things for you. They're going to want your hair to be a certain color, yep. for you to wear a certain color. Hey, you look great in this. And you don't, oh, I don't really, <laughs> you know, I liked the sweater you wore better. Everybody... As long as we are surrounded by people that have thought. <laughs> human beings. We're human beings. Um, they, they're, going to, they're going to have something to say. They're going to have um, something that they want for you. Um, I mean, something that I've learned is that a lot of times, and, and I don't know if this is true for you in your life too, a lot of times I feel like this starts out as love and protection right? From people that are around you. Maybe your mom wants something for you or your dad wants something for you or your cousin or your brother, whoever your spouse, they want something for you or they suggest something for you. Um, and it starts out as love and protection. And then somewhere along the line, it becomes very misguided where it becomes like, like they are trying to put something on you that doesn't fit. Sure. Yep. The motivation may have started in the right place. But then when you make clear, that's not the dream I have for myself or the life that I'm planning to live, um, it almost then becomes like a battle. Mm-hmm. Who's going to win? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and where do, where do you get, where were you first instilled with the ability to separate that, do you think? Is it life experience or? So, so obviously growing up and, and, and I went to a performing arts high school and I, and I hate saying that to people cause it sounds so like, Oh, I went to a performing arts high school. But when you go to a high school that is geared towards theater arts and they expect you to move on to certain things, they expect you to step off their stage sure. into a collegiate atmosphere yep. and to be scouted out mm-hmm. and then to start your, your agent, you know, your agent and your, and your audition process. After that, you're expected to get your actor's equity. You're expected to get your SAG membership. So going to a school like that, there's a lot of pressure put on you by your mentors, by your parents, everybody. And they want what's best for you. They want you to succeed. Um, But what I found is that somebody can love you so much that they suffocate you into something that just doesn't feel right. Um, And you can have 8 million people around you saying, you know, you have this beautiful ability or, you know, you can sing or, you know, you have all this training. Um, And they may think that, like, the only way that you're going to fully use your training is if you are, in my instance, if you go from this, from Edward R. Murrow High School to college, get your degrees, which I did all of that. And then, but then they think Broadway is the next stop. And 
for me in 2003 I was like okay so Broadway is supposed to be the next stop and I made a big detour in my life and ended up in Toledo, Toledo Ohio so I did it opposite sure yeah which ruffled feathers absolutely because people look at me like you're doing it backwards and for me I didn't think it was backwards ever I tell the kids all the time that I truly believe that I was supposed to have the training that I had so that I could bring it here for them. I love that. I, I completely believe that. Thank you. Yeah, I do. So do you find that um, through your journey, did you find that people were not supportive of that decision? Yeah, and because my, you know, I've, I've always been, I, I guess I've, I've had tenacity, I guess you could say, to, to kind of go against the grain and, and chase the dreams that I felt were worthwhile. But, um, but yeah, it, I feel like I, I got flack for a lot of years. A lot of my friends made jokes, oh, you know, about me doing theater in Ohio and sure. making jokes about cornfields and things like that. And, <laughs> but, but the real reward is when you, when you are successful at what you're doing. And I remember the day that some of those friends... And if they end up listening to this, I apologize for calling them out. But, um, <laughs> but I remember the day that they walked into the theater and they saw that it's a beautiful facility and that I'm making a difference. And it was like we had to scrape their jaws up off the floor. Right. So, um, so yeah. And, and for, for me, everything happened really quickly. So, so I moved here in 2003. I had, we got married in 2000. We bought a house in 2004, got married 2005, had our first child in 2006. I graduated from college with my bachelor's degree in 2007, and George was born 14 days before my graduation. Oh my goodness. And then I started working here in 2008. Wow. So, oh, <laughs> feedback. Feedback. Um, wow, you were back to back to back to back. So. <laughs> we're, we're recording up in the theater um, box office, actually, where Andrea directs our plays and musicals, and that's why we're getting some feedback from the radios. Which is strange because they were, they were completely silent yeah, before. But when we're talking about dreams and things such as that, um, Andrea was so aptly talking about her own journey and how it felt backwards to her. And I'm also living a similar journey because I am currently in school to get a doctorate degree, and I have people ask all the time um, why I, you know, why I'm not a principal. Um, and I just know that that isn't my calling. And at least. I never say never. It's not my calling right now. I don't have a desire to do it. And I feel that a lot of times people feel that because I am going to school um, at the at the highest level for my profession, that the next natural step would be principalship um, moving on to superintendent. But I don't, I don't have that desire in me. I'm not really sure what the path is going to look like at the end. And so to hear you say that you kind of have done it backwards and are completely happy makes me feel good because I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I just know that I'm called to. I know that I love it. I'm, in, I'm enjoying the process. And at the end of it, when there are different letters in front of my name or behind my name, I don't know that anything in my life will change. I love teaching, I love kids, and I'm not in this for any other reason than I feel like I want to keep stretching. Yeah. And that's it. And I think there's something beautiful about that because you don't, there are a lot of people that have an, uh, a, you know, an end game. They have a, a, a destination they want to reach. And yes. They're climbing the ladder because that's where they want to go. But I think it's more interesting to be kind of an instrument of faith where it's like you're being led by your heart and you don't see the end result. You don't see 
the the where where the where the path is going to lead but you can trust that if you're following what's been placed on your heart and you're staying in alignment with your authenticity that you're not you cannot be led astray if you're doing that that's that's so reassuring to hear because that is how I feel but you know when I'm studying and and going through the process I I keep thinking you know KP why are you doing this and I keep stopping and re-examining, is this something that I truly want? And the answer at the end of the day is always yes. Yeah. I do. I don't know why. I don't know. All I can think is that maybe the universe has a position of um, influence for me that this education is going to prepare me for. Absolutely. And, and you, have to, you have to lead with that. You have to lead with that on your heart. And you do that. And a lot of people are not, that takes a tremendous amount of bravery and courage to follow your dreams and to chase them. And one of the things I wanted to share with you, and you may have heard this before, but um, Jim Carrey, the actor, mm-hmm. he spoke at a university some years ago. And it was an amazing speech that was, you know, retweeted and all these things all over the place. <laughs> um, but he said something that stayed with me when talking about dreams and goals. And he said that his father was an accountant. Okay. And um, have you ever heard this story? No, no. Um, So his father was an accountant, but he said, my father, who passed away in 1994, um, he said, my father could have been one of the world's most successful comedians, but he chose to be an accountant because that was the safer choice. He could see the end result of being an accountant. And he said some years later when his father was let go, from that accounting job and the family was kind of immersed into poverty he said that spoke volumes to me because and he says and I quote you can fail at what you don't want so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love wow yeah Yeah, that's profound yeah that's good advice yeah that's really good advice and it's it's, as I keep saying, it's just reassuring, and I think everyone needs to hear that, that sometimes you don't know where the journey's going to take you, but you know it feels really, really right. And as long as you're taking care of yourself and not hurting others in the process, um, and you, you don't have blinders on to you know these, the effects of what you're doing. Um, in my case, schooling is very expensive. It would be very irresponsible of me to continue pushing forward with school and have no means to pay for it, for example. But... As long as I think that that is something I can manage, I feel like you just have to keep going and you don't always know why. Um, similarly, and I'm, you may have heard this too, but after 9-11, I remember watching a special on TV and it was, you know, there had been special after special of the people who had died in the tragedy that happened on 9-11 in New York. Uh, were you living in New York then? Yes. Um, in uh, school? Like, what, what part of your life were you in at that stage? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was my first day or my second day of college. Really? Yes. Wow. And my dad was actually working at JFK Airport at the time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it was imagine. a whirlwind. And I believe that. Yeah. And at, at the college, they didn't announce anything because they didn't want to have, like, mass chaos. Sure. So I didn't actually understand what was going on okay. until my dad sent me a beep on my pager. Your beeper? I had, to get, I, had to get, I had to get to a payphone. Yeah. And he's like, I'm coming to pick you up. And I usually took public transportation, so I knew something was up. Yeah, then. Well, this particular special focused on, and this was weeks after the events, um, the people who were frustrated that they weren't where they were supposed to be that morning. And, for instance, there was a, a young man who was starting his first day at a job, and the subway car broke down. And they talked to him about 
you know, had the subway car continued, you would have been right where this tragedy would have happened. And they spoke to another mother who was supposed to be at a doctor's office and her doctor canceled and she was furious about it. And the doctor's office was one of the places that was um, right at ground zero. And so it, it really, I mean, gosh, I was probably, I think I was 21, maybe 22 when this happened. And um, I remember thinking, I was so profoundly struck by that the universe puts us right where we are supposed to be in those moments. And I, that has never left me. Even today when I'm running late, when I'm stuck in traffic, when I hit a train, I, I remember that special and I always think, you are right where you are supposed to be. And you are not where you are not supposed to be right now. And so when I think about our life journeys and the way that we, we try to keep our lives in harmony, I always try to remember not only in traffic, but like metaphorically, I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now. And when it stops feeling right, then I will know that it's time to move to the next place. Yeah. I think that's important. for What you just said is so important for people to understand when it comes to dreams and dream chasing. Right. That's what I like to call it. Um, because you should never you should never stop chasing dreams. Even when you reach what you think is the, your plateau, you should still think, okay, how can I challenge myself to be better? But that that's another subject. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but when it comes to chasing your dreams I think it's important to acknowledge that you can always always this is what I tell my kids I I say you always have another choice in anything in life if you think about everything you've ever been through you've always had another choice and even people you know there might be some people listening saying well you know my my parents grew up in poverty they didn't have another choice my when I say choice I mean you have a choice to let that rule your life or you have a choice to let that be a stepping stone to make you better. You know, there's a period of time that I grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. We paid for milk with change. And um, I could be angry about that or I could realize that that was part of the plan mm-hmm. and that it has built me and that my parents had the choice to use that as a lesson. And you to, were right where you were supposed to that, be yes, in that time. I was right where I was supposed to be in that time and to learn that lesson. And that compassion that you now have for people who also struggle. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes a delay is actually divine intervention. Absolutely. That's what I think. I love that. Well, uh, that was going to bring me to my closing point. I didn't tell you about this or prepare you in advance, but I'm curious if you know right off the top of your head what is the greatest lesson that you've ever learned and did you learn it the hard way or did you learn it the easy way oh girl you're pulling out out all the stops I think the greatest lesson so far in my life is that I need I need it's a need to not be a blueprint maker for things um for a lot a large part of my life so far I've I've been I want to control things and when I say control things I don't want everybody to think that you know I'm like this super like death hold grip on everything that I do I but I I like to know I don't like uncertainty sure so I thought you know if I prepare or I plan or I or, or I you know do this a certain way if I don't do a b and c if I do a c and b that it'll turn out better you know we we try to be blueprint makers for our life and what I learned recently um is that letting go of that control on your life and doing exactly what you just said which is realizing that you can't mess it up the plan (laughs) for your life is the plan for your life and it's time to stop putting the burden on our shoulders that we're going to be 
these terrible human beings or we're gonna make this terrible mistake that we can't ever get out of or that we need to be responsible for everybody's happiness. I just recently realized that it's very freeing to kind of give it up to the universe if you wanna say that or give it to God, whatever people wanna say, just to have a measure, a measure of faith that we don't have to micromanage everything, that sometimes we can just sit back. I mean, obviously do all of the things that you're supposed to do. It's not like let's just sit on our couch and eat Doritos all day and expect to <laughs> achieve all of our goals. You have to work hard. But I think if you're authentic and you are genuine and your intentions are good and you make choices that are in alignment with what your soul is asking, whether or not you know why, that you cannot be led astray. And it takes a lot of the pressure off of the blueprint making. And I just learned that. And I learned it as, as a mother, mostly. Because with kids, you know, we want to protect our kids all the time. You know, this is somebody that has, has literally, you know, been with us right. since, since the beginning. And now they're walking around outside of our bodies and making choices. And we want to protect them all of the time. And I think sometimes we have to take the pressure and the stress off of ourselves and realize that, they don't want perfection. They want They want um, authenticity and they want love. And I will always give those things. So if that's what the world is asking of me, then I, I am already okay. Girl, you are speaking to my spirit. <laughs> Sometimes the messages come right when you need them, right? <laughs> that is, that's fantastic advice. Yeah. That's that's a great lesson to not be in control. Hard learned. But. Hard learned. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much thank you. for being here. That was awesome. That was I'm so honored that you were uh, my podcast guest. And I think you should do one of these. I would love to. I think you should make one. I'm going to pick your brain about it. I totally think you should. <laughs> and I think that you have a lot to offer. And I think people could stand to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.